We're back with Dave Eisenberg of Zig to dive into everything from his habits and routines to the tools he loves, his favorite books, and so much more, all in less than 20 minutes. Let's jump back in with Dave. Dave, I'm really excited for this second mini interview. Thank you so much again for the time for coming on. Sure. So I'll dive right in. We do this interview for a bunch of reasons, but from my perspective, we've just had an incredible conversation going really deep on what you do. It's also interesting for me to explore just my senses, entrepreneurs and investors spend ultimately a lot of time thinking about habits, routines, systems, how they can set themselves up for success. And I think it's an interesting window to give people. And so just to start, you can take this question anywhere. We've had sometimes for people this makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. But I just love your take on as you kind of think about habits, routines, even just what your daily life, are there things that you do regularly that are important to you that either help you show up as your best self, help you operate at the highest level? I'm interestingly not a creature of habit. There is one habit that I was able to identify that is a daily habit for me. And it's the most important thing in my day, which is every day I start with, we now have three kids, but my two daughters, we get up and we'll do a mix of stuff. We'll do magnet tiles, we'll read books, we'll, if we're not too loud, we'll play music, something like that. And then every day I try to be home like precisely at six and then we'll do dinner. And we have a routine, which I think starts at the beginning and ends of the day. And there are days like I really wish during COVID, actually, I saw a lot of like the middle of the day stuff, which was an interesting art of like how to balance a full work day with being at home. But I think that my main habit is that while my kids are young, at least just making sure that I've got a few hours in the morning and a few hours before it's too late. And I think there's been a lot of work stuff that I've missed as a result of doing that. And it's a conscious trade-off. And there have been moments where I think I've wanted to go to certain events that just fall in there. But it's a habit that I think keeps me grounded, keeps a really good dynamic between me and my wife. And I think it's the most important like daily thing that I do. I think on the weekly and monthly side, it's a little bit harder to identify stuff. I do... I love the Peloton. And when the weather is good, I love playing tennis. And so those are sort of things that I really try to find their way into my schedule. But it's not a daily thing in the way that dedicated family time is. Yeah. When you say that you're not a creature of habit, I guess my interpretation of that, thinking about myself, because I would kind of describe myself there as well, too, is something big for me is just I'm happier if there's openness in the day and I can have some serendipity and do different things. Is that where you're at? Is that where that comes from? You know, I think it also comes from this lover of like variety. I think whether it's my musical taste is extremely eclectic and wide ranging. And yet I don't go super deep on like any one or two artists. I think the stuff that I read, similarly fiction and nonfiction and so forth. I believe that one of the reasons why I prefer investing to operating is simply every day I meet a whole bunch of new businesses that I've never heard of. And most of them, I won't really talk too much again, but they fill me with energy and creativity. And we've got a portfolio of 30 something companies that each do something wildly different from one another. You know, when I was a CEO of one company, like that's the one thing you obsess about every day. And ultimately, I think I realized I prefer liking different cuisines rather than, you know, doing the same thing every day. And so I totally understand people who are at the complete opposite. But for me, the variety is where I derive my energy from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm right there with you. On the tool side, and this can be physical, this can be digital, but I think the idea is, are there things that you found, things that have significance for you, things that have really been able to help you? And on the physical side, it could also just be this cool thing that I just enjoy having, I enjoy touching, I enjoy using. But is there anything on the tool side that's interesting for you that's worth sharing? I love Twitter. I always have. I find 
that it's a way for me to interact with people that I deeply admire and respect who I may not know very well. On the tool side, I have really come to appreciate and respect this very premium email app that I use called Superhuman, where I have a few different email addresses. Like I'm overwhelmed with email and this thing like helps keep me sane in terms of filtering and, and keeping it all steady. So on the digital side, those are probably like my go-to use them all day long. A physical side, I guess I, I fell in love with Peloton a few years ago and like probably do it three to four times a week. And that I think as both a community, as a functional way to stay in shape is something that I love. And yeah, that's probably it. Moving on, a question I always love asking people is what is their superpower? And I think for you, I don't know, I could take a few guesses just depending on our conversation, but what do you think your superpower has been over time? Or where do you feel like you're just really strong and where do you need to compliment? So I thought about this a little bit. I think in another life, I could have been a very effective executive recruiter. Like I really enjoy hearing the personal career narrative, the things that people are looking to solve next, or if they're just like looking to really deploy the skills that they've already accumulated, like what is a place where they can get placed? And and I think it's helpful that in venture, you do a lot of recruiting. You recruit a lot of executive talent. Oftentimes, you're placing senior management talent or board directors has become a thing now where I'm trying to build a network of underrepresented folks to place on boards. And I think that's been something that I really enjoy doing and I get a lot of energy from. I love networking. And it's always been something that I think I've not been afraid of and sort of have had just a positive experience with. I know there are plenty of people who have the opposite for, and there's a ton of things that I'm weak at. But I think probably a superpower would be understanding how to place people with companies and then also how to make perhaps some non-obvious like introductions about putting people together where I think there will be a mutual exchange of ideas where it may not be immediately evident to either one of them why I've done it, but then with a little bit of prodding, there's a spark of something there. Yeah, I love that. On the flip side, what do you struggle with? What have you struggled with? And how have you worked on that over time? And you know, just really quickly, I think it'd be interesting to touch on how you went about selecting your know, co-founder, your partner at ZigCap and how you thought about that relationship. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, it goes back to that first Bain job I had, which just prized this thing they called zero defect, which is to say you're so meticulous that there are no errors in your financial model or in your slides or something. I remember like getting sort of berated for like missing the color palette of a company. And I was just like, this is not what I'm good at. I'm not, I'm not good at all this stuff. So I think whether it's attention to detail, sometimes I think it's just organization, something that I'm not great at. My college roommate will like attest to this. I was like a mess just physically in terms of leaving stuff around. My wife is a very clean person. And so to make that work, I had to become a lot better. I think, <laughs> honestly, it just requires a lot of work for me to pick up after myself, make my bed every morning, like do all this stuff that I think... I've had to work at. And the truth is, is that my digital life is like similarly a little bit scattered and it requires a lot of effort to keep my email inbox from like exploding and to keep my calendar structured and so forth. I don't have somebody who helps me with there. So it takes some real time of mine, but I I find that it's rewarding when it's clean and when it's organized. And when I've done it myself, I know where everything is and so forth. But I do think it's a weakness that I just continually am trying to be more mindful of how to be a more organized and structured person. I would love to ask about people and figures that you admire. And I guess the specific vein is, I feel like in venture, obviously, you're in an industry where there is this lore of there's just a lot of people that you can look up to that some are still investing, some that invested previously, some that led really significant funds, and similarly on the entrepreneur side. So I guess just focusing on entrepreneurs and investors, are there any figures there that you've drawn inspiration from or just really admire? I think reading about the founding of Benchmark and how the original partners there really had 
some really unusual points of view. For instance, like there was no concept of a veto, but there was the concept of like an anti-veto where one person could put a deal through if they had such conviction they were pounding the table. I thought that's something that I've tried to incorporate into our firm and which I believe to be an incredibly powerful idea that you never want to stop someone, even if they have the odd opinion from doing something they're incredibly passionate about. It's funny, there are so many people that I admire who are just public thinkers. So whether that's Fred Wilson and his blog over many, many years, or whether it's Andy Ratcliffe and Joel Peterson with their classes at Stanford, or whether it's Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz and their writings, uh, Paul Graham and their writing. Like, I'm sure I don't agree with a lot of their political beliefs and otherwise, but I think just the clarity of their public thinking on technology building has just been extraordinary. Outside of entrepreneurship and technology, a person I deeply admire is Winston Churchill. I just finished a book called The Splendid and the which was an extraordinary account of the early years of World War II before America came in and how he just had this level of moral clarity that I think held the Germans at bay. And as someone whose family was like deeply impacted by World War II in a negative way, I think I just have this incredible admiration for that level of heroism and also just belief and courage. Those are just qualities that I'm glad I don't have to practice in a way like that. But I think just remembering that so many other people have done such things that have enabled us to live in the world we live in today is quite helpful for me. Yeah, absolutely. I've not heard of that book. We'll link it up in the show notes. It sounds great. I guess similarly on that tangent, do you have favorite books? And this can be in any vein, any direction. And those can be things that you just have really significance for you. Or I know a lot of venture capitalists, a lot of entrepreneurs will pass on books as well too. people they invest in founders. I know. This is going to be the ultimate Homer answer. But my wife just spent the last four years writing a book, which came out on Tuesday, which I'm going to plug here, which is called Baby Unplugged. It was an extraordinary effort for our family to figure out how we want to incorporate technology into our young kids' lives. And I remember it was the third day of our oldest daughter's life. I brought home a smart sock that I put on her to like track her heart rate and oxygen rate. In the middle of her first night at home, the thing lost its Wi-Fi connection and started blaring an alarm in the middle of the night. We lost like 10 years of our lives when that happened. But, <laughs> Your hair um, went all white. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it started this like process that she really led in a highly self-directed way to figure out what is our household's philosophy on screen time and on educational programming and like when they're watching TV, what do we want them to watch? And I think she just did such an extraordinary job of researching from first principles, what is the current experts, what do they say about technology? And then where can I just trust my gut? Because there isn't research there. And so I think she put it all into a book. She's also a very funny person. So I think she created a very entertaining book that has a lot of information packed in. Anyone who has young kids or is thinking about kids, check it out. It's called Baby Unplugged. Perfect. And we will link that as well too. And I'm definitely interested in reading that. Okay. Last two questions. I'm really excited for your answers to these. Do you have a favorite failure? The failure that actually gave me the confidence to leave Bain and go to Bonobos was when I got my very first feedback session. They said, look, we're not telling you that you're like not on track to be retained or promoted here, but your level of attention to detail is not meeting our bar. And you have these other qualities that we really like. You're nice to people, you're exuberant, you're a good communicator, but you just have to be much more careful in your Excel modeling and in your PowerPoint stuff. And it was just this like, I don't want to. I don't want to be the best at those things. It's not a natural fit for my talents or my lack thereof. So maybe I should do something else. And I don't think if they had given me a glowing review, like it's totally possible that I just would have stayed there for several years. I would have gone to business. Like I just would have had a very different life. It was like a kick in the butt for me to say, maybe I should go do something else. 
Similarly on that, and I typically wouldn't ask this question, but I kind of have to ask this one. On that note, you seem very comfortable talking about and being really open with your shortcomings. And you talked about as well working with Andy at Bonobos and how that was a really big influence. Have you always been that way? Is that something you've learned over time? Anything you can share there? I learned all of that from Andy, to be honest. If I look back at like my 21, 22-year-old self, I was the person who was the opposite. Like I only wanted to brag and I only wanted to talk about my strengths. And I think I was like a little bit of a caricature of a person in that way. And I remember him sitting me down and he's like, you're not building any empathy here. Like you're not growing as a person. By the way, you're not as awesome as these things as you think you are. He just talked to me like that. And it was so shocking, but it was so helpful. And so it was one of the reasons I like remained so loyal to him is just, I think he recrafted my sense of self. And I think took me as more of like a moldable ball of clay. And in that way, that learning, I think has been something that I've tried to deliver to other people. And I think it's a mixture of love plus honesty, plus like compassion to get it right. And I haven't always gotten it right, but I do believe in direct feedback and specifically from a good place where you want the person to improve it is one of the most helpful things you can do for someone. Yeah. It's such a generous gift when you can do it and you can communicate that in a way that's not charged and comes from this compassionate place. It's a very hard skill to develop. Last question. What is your definition of success? I think it is finding ways to live a life that are at the intersection of things that you find really interesting to enjoy doing the way that you're spending your hours with things that you're very talented at, or maybe even uniquely so, and then things that allow you to live the type of life that you want to lead. If you want that to be a very expensive life, like living in an expensive city, in an expensive place, like you have to factor that in as optimization. There's a lot of people who don't want for that. And I say more power to them. The less you need, I think the happier you can be. But there's no recipe for success that is universal. Like I think everybody's on their own journey to find the overlap of that Venn diagram. And for me, it took most of my career was operating in an adjacent place to where I ultimately wanted to be. And so I think having patience to figure it out is right, but also maybe not being afraid to take some risky things. For me, jumping from a traditional career path into a highly untraditional one was, that was the right time in my life to take that risk. I had no meaningful liabilities at the time. Like it was just a time and I could do it. And I was lucky that it paid off. But I think creating space in your life where you can take some risk in case you want to do something that is not a sure path is something that might lead to success. Any advice for someone that is at that intersection right now where they see something that's exciting, they want to take that leap, but they're maybe having a hard time mustering the courage? (laughs) Any advice you'd give them? Yeah, I would say go seek out people who may have a similar life background to yourself, who did it and then landed in the place where they didn't see if there's anything that you can take away from studying the choices that they made or the way in which they did it that will give you that extra boost of confidence. I think a lot of what I've done in my life has been from watching other people and then trying to mirror that in my own life. And I think everybody can find someone for whom they are inspired by. And ultimately, that might be the thing that pushes you into that decision. Thank you so much for the time. This has been one of my favorite conversations. Appreciate it, Dave. Great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. For more from Dave Eisenberg, listen to our long form conversation all about investing in real estate technology in episode 45. 
You can find the show notes and transcript for this conversation at outlieracademy.com slash 45. At our website, you can also find more incredible interviews with guests like Scott Belsky, Kevin Kelly, and the founders of Titan Rally, Primal Kitchen, and other incredible companies. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you right here next week on Outlier Academy.